All right, uh, I want to just take a few minutes and look at a text. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is, of course, a new year, and with a new year comes new resolutions. Uh, One of the most popular resolutions universally is weight loss. There are at least half of you right now who are saying, I want to lose weight in 2016. I just know it, okay? Because that's what everybody says. I want to lose weight. It's because we're Americans living in America and we have way too much to eat, too much fast food. We, we, we really do all need to probably lose a little bit of weight, exercise a little bit more. So this morning what I want to talk about is weight loss. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about weight loss this morning. I'm going to begin with a very important illustration about weight loss. Needing to shed a few pounds, Robert and his wife Jennifer went on a diet that had specific recipes for each meal of the day. They followed the instructions extremely closly, dividing the finished recipe in half for their individual portions. Robert and Jennifer felt terrific and thought the diet was wonderful. They had never felt better, nor did they ever feel hungry. As time progressed, Robert and Jennifer realized that they were, in effect, putting on weight and not losing it. They decided that they ought to check the detail of the recipes just one more time. It was then that they had found they had made an error. There in small print, Robert and Jennifer saw, to their horror, serves six. All right. We all need to lose a little bit of weight. And so we swim... We go to the gym, we bike, we do things, right, to lose weight. Don't we all kind of cheat a little bit? I mean, it's only an extra six ounces of meat. Meat's healthy. It's just a second round at the salad bar. It's salad, but with like tons of blue cheese dressing. I need to have a study break, and I'm just going to hang out at my favorite deli. That won't tempt me at all. As I always like to talk about, I exercise four times a week because I don't have cable, and they have CNBC at the gym, and I can exercise and watch my TV show. Sometimes the reason we don't lose weight is that we're really not not all that serious about losing weight, right? We mean well, but we don't do well. Isn't that often the believing life we mean well, but we don't do well? How do we change that? How do we change that? How do we adjust that? It's hard. I agree, it's hard. We must go through a paradigm shift. We must be willing to accept that we really need to change, and we clearly commit ourselves to the task of changing. This is good in all aspects of our life, especially our weight, but more especially our relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, is a reflection back on Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is a long chapter dealing with all these people of faith, guys like Abraham, remember Abraham, Father Abraham, and the tremendous faith he demonstrated, and Sarah, and Jacob, and David, If you haven't done it in a while, go back and read Hebrews 11 and read about amazing people of faith. If we are going to live lives God's way, 
if we are going to live lives that really glorify God, that are consistent with God's expectation for our lives, we must be willing to live lives of faith. If we are going to make personal forward movement for Messiah in our lives, we must be willing to live lives of faith and do all that will be necessary for that, including shedding some sinful habits, some sinful weight, some things that are holding us back. I was tempted to show a commercial that was shown years ago during the Super Bowl by Munster. Uh, it, was a, it was a jobs company. And uh, the whole point of the commercial was mediocrity. I want to grow up and be in middle management. I want to grow, grow up to be in retail. Is your aspiration as a follower of Messiah to just kind of go along with the flow of life? Or in your thought processes, do you desire to actually significantly move forward for God through your active, intentional, committed faith to your faithful Messiah, Yeshua? Next week, uh, Jason Moraff will be speaking, and he's going to be giving a very intense lecture in this pulpit on the faithfulness of Messiah. It's going to be a great lecture. I just got done kind of going over it with him. We worship a faithful Messiah and a faithful God, and yet we ourselves are seldom faithful. So in this message, as we begin this year, I, don't want, to, I want to encourage us to intentionally consider how we can live faithful lives, and the requirement to shed sinful weight. A couple of things you'll notice, you'll see this in your announcement sheet on the back page. <clears throat> These examples from the first chapter, if you look, I'm sorry, from chapter 11, if you look at chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, which is meaning reflect back, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. All those, those first couple of words, just a reference to all of chapter 11. All of these individuals... What are the characteristics that these individuals had? Well, they're there on your sheet. These individuals in chapter 11, they all sought to know their God by faith. They wanted to know God by faith. They all wanted to live their lives by faith. They wanted to know their God, and they wanted to live for God. Is that the characteristic of your life? Where on your priority scale of life? We're not going to talk about goals today. We talked about that on Wednesday night. There's a sheet out here on the table you can grab that will help you with this. On the priority list of your life, how high up on that list is knowing God? How high up on that list is living for God? God has called us to know Him. Part of knowing Him is living for Him. But it must be something that we intentionally desire to do. That's what we see in Hebrews 11. These guys, they all wanted to do this. What is faith? Faith is confident assurance about the future. Whose future? God's future. I am confident that God knows what he's doing. I'm not necessarily confident that, uh, that our president knows what he's doing. 
I'm not confident that the business leaders know what they're doing. Certainly not confident in what the Chinese are doing. <laughs> I'm confident in what God is doing. I have confidence in my future because my future is tied to God's future. What is faith? Faith is God-given conviction about the unseen reality. Faith is God-given conviction. Now, you may say, where do you get that from? It's interesting, and again, I don't have time to go into it here. But in chapter 11, when it discusses these things, what you really get out of it is a challenge to test the unseen reality of God and to prove that what God says, says is real. When we make choices to know God and live for God and we act in faith on the things that we know God wants us to do, we have the opportunities to test and see if God is real. When God says to set the Shabbat aside, set the day aside, believe that he will provide, he will take care of you when you prioritize him, that's a step of faith. David said that he never found anybody who was following God begging for bread. Now, that was his personal experience. We know that believers do struggle. But we also do know that God watches over us. And I have seen people in very difficult circumstances who demonstrate the peace of God. You know why? God provides it. When we are following God and living for him, living a life of faith, God will give us the strength to endure and to move forward no matter what the circumstances. And in that, it proves that taking steps of faith is good because God pays off. I always say, trust God, but test God. See what he does, especially with the, the tangible realities in your life. So in a summational statement, Faith in the biblical sense is the assurance and conviction that what God has said is true and that is to be acted upon by the believer. Faith in the biblical sense is the assurance and conviction that what God has said is true and that it is to be acted upon by the believer. If you really don't believe that God is reliable, then my recommendation for you is to find some other form of religion or something that you can believe in. I don't think you'll find it. I don't think it's out there. I know that God is true. And, that I, and I know that God is reliable because I have tested him and I have seen that he indeed is faithful. But that's because I've tested him. Have you tested him? Really tested him? Or have you just been testing him and his patience <laughs> with your life? Test and see that the Lord is good. Seek to know him. Prioritize him. Prioritize knowing him. Prioritize living for him. And see that the Lord indeed is good. You know, David and Ariel just had a child. Yael, beautiful little girl. By faith, they're having this kid. Do you know for sure in 10 years from now you can actually provide for this kid? Fifteen years from now, when she's a full-blown Jap, what are you going to do? By faith, you have a child, and by faith, you will raise that child to know and love God by faith. And your life is an example to her. She will see what you do. And modeling before her what it means to, to trust God and live for him will make all the difference.
Everything we do in life is faith. Get on an airplane, I get on a lot of airplanes. By faith, I believe God's going to get me to where I got to go. And if not, my wife will get a fat check. But I believe that if God has stuff for me to do, I'll get there, regardless of circumstances. There's a great story by a guy named George Mueller. <clears throat> George Mueller was taking a ship across the ocean. He was a, a Gentile guy, German fellow, believer in Jesus, came to faith and was going to do Jewish work among Jews in Eastern Europe. And God said, no, you're going to go to England and basically run an orphanage for you know, years and years and years, all by faith. If you've never read his story, go read his story. It's fascinating. Uh, but he was on his ship. He was supposed to speak in Canada or something. And they, were, they basically said, we're not, it's not going to happen. We can't get you there. And he says, no, I know I'm supposed to be there because I made an appointment and it's going to happen. So just keep going along. And you know what? God made it all work out. You get, it's an amazing story. I've only given you the, you know, not to taste your appetite. Go Google George Mueller, all right, and see what his life of faith was like. Plenty of examples of what it means to live for God, to know God, and for God to demonstrate that he indeed is faithful. Our problem as believers, unfortunately, is what we read about in verse 1b. Chapter 12, verse 1b, it says, Let us also get rid of of every weight and entangling sin. Let us also get rid of every weight and entangling sin. Isn't that our problem? Just like it's hard for us to lose a few pounds, it's hard for us to lose a few sin habits. We struggle with so much, and that's human. And when we're honest, it's even better. We need to, though, shed our sin. You know, it's fascinating. This is point two. My wife says, you're always really bad in following your outlines. But we're point two A. We must shed our habit-bound sins. You must do it. I have sleep apnea. I better lose weight or I'm going to stroke out one day. I know this is true. But last night I had to just eat one more rib. Matt's birthday. I don't get ribs very often. And I had two bowls of soup and about a, uh, you know, a couple of pieces of meatloaf. It was a bad night for me. But it was a great night for me. It's the conflict of it all. I want to do, but I struggle with doing. We must do. We must do. Do you have that tension in terms of doing what God wants you to do where you, you, you fight with it? But you know what's great is when you determine that you want to know God and you want to live for God, God will give you the strength to beat habits, bad habits. He will. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will help you. He's done that in my life. I'm perfect, right? No, absolutely not. I'm much better than I would have been if I hadn't decided at the age of 15 and a half that I wanted to live my life for God. Do you want to live your life for God? If you want to live your life for God, God will help you to shed your habit-bound sins. He will help you do it. He really will. He says in the next part of the verse, let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let us run with endurance. Run with endurance. I hate running. It takes a lot of energy. It's harder to watch CNBC when I'm jogging on the treadmill. But I understand the value of it. I understand the value of it for my health, 
I understand as well the value of having an understanding that my life isn't all about me. In fact, my life's not about me at all. On one side, I guess being married means my life can't be all about me because that makes for a lousy marriage. Then you have kids, and that sucks a whole other section of your life out of you. The most unhappy people in the world are parents, but they're also the most joyful because there's a meaning to life beyond oneself. You know, narcissism is really not a, a spiritual characteristic, at least not a biblical one. It's not all about you and me individually. It's about others. It's about others. So when he says there, let us run with endurance the race set before us, what race? The race that God has for you. What is it that God wants you to do? Fundamentally, God wants you to live your life for him. That's your race. As we begin this new secular year, give consideration to the race God has for you to run. Give consideration for what it is that is in your life that might be making that difficult. Marathon runners don't wear weights. They don't wear weights. They wear really skimpy clothes that don't weigh a lot. And their shoes don't weigh a lot either. They minimize any hindrance in their life so that they can win the race. God has a race for you to run. God has something for you to do which is much better than anything you can come up with for yourself. But it's all predicated on whether or not you'll live your life for God. Because in verse 2 it says, Focusing on Yeshua, the initiator and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary in your souls and lose heart. We have here as our focus, Yeshua, our Messiah, who died. And he was humiliated. I mean, if you read the New Testament, hopefully you've all read this text in the New Testament, it's not like Yeshua had a good old time being killed and all that went on with that. But there was a purpose God had. God sent the Messiah to bring atonement for our sin so that we could come into relationship with God through the forgiveness of our sin, by faith in Yeshua's death. And then God vindicated and validated Yeshua by raising him from the dead. King Yeshua, Melech Mashiach Yeshua, will return and reign as king. And that is going to happen. Because God is faithful. So as you consider your life this year, if you consider your life this year, what do you think God's purpose for your life is for this year? Have you even thought about that? Maybe, maybe living for God and knowing God is not even on your priority list for this year. All right. I encourage you to make the change. I encourage you to contemplate, take this little sheet home and consider. But maybe it's on your list of things, but you haven't really thought so much in terms of specifics. I encourage you. What is specific 
in, for your life from God? What is it he wants you to do? I'm going to uh, just conclude with a couple of things to think about, though, in terms of what might be holding you back from living as a fully committed follower of Yeshua. These are five things that through the years I've just kind of found to be a problem for people, myself included. Often pain from the past is a big one. People internalize abuse. People internalize hurts. Happens, guys. It happens. But are those pains, are those hurts hindering and holding you back from what God wants you to do? Are they inhibiting you? My encouragement for you is to forgive. Doesn't mean you validate the other person. <laughs> Doesn't mean you validate the stupidity of somebody else or the dumb things that people did. But what it means, what it means is that you move forward and you move past. Personal pride, a lot of us have goals and plans for our lives. Do you really believe that God's plans might be better for you than your plans for yourself? Takes a little bit of bissel humility, right? A little bit of humility to really understand that God might actually have better plans for you than you might have for you. Give that consideration this, this week. Is your personal pride holding you back from living your life God's way? Maybe it's Jewish pride. Maybe you're here and, and you're so hooked into Jewish pride that it inhibits and limits what God wants to do in you. Maybe that's the reason you're not as active in the, in the community. Maybe you've got pressure from family members and you're giving in to that. You know, I'm really big on Jewish pride. I don't think there's anything wrong with having Jewish pride. I am a Jew and I'm proud of it only because God has called me to do something for him. And I want to do that as a Jew because that's what he made me to be. But... My Jewish identity is secondary to my relationship with God. I think Abraham would agree with me on that. And David and everybody else. Because they saw their relationship with God as primary. If your relationship with God plays a secondary position to your Jewish pride and Jewish identity, that'll hold you back too from whatever God wants to do in and through your life. Fear. Are you afraid that others will call you a religious nut? If you demonstrate too much faith commitment, if you decide to live your life for God, will people make fun of you? Maybe you're held back by that. Maybe you're held back from living your life for God because you're afraid that if you actually do what God wants you to do, your life will become less comfortable. You won't make as much money. You won't be as, as popular. You know? All kinds of crazy fears that we have. But if you believe that God is faithful and that God loves us, perfect love casts out fear. Rely on the Lord. Rest in Him. He's a loving God. He knows what's best for us. Finally, personal sin. Activities that you do, habits you practice, opinions you hold that are sinful, and you know it, but you're not willing to let them go. I encourage you to let them go. I encourage you to let, it, let him go. Personal sin. One of the values of a congregational community is that we really truly know one another well enough 
we develop accountability with one another to help one another overcome our sinfulness. Faith in the biblical sense is the assurance and conviction that what God has said is true and it is to be acted upon by the believer. Do you believe that God is faithful? Do you believe that God can be trusted? I pray that you do, because I know that he is. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word and the challenge of it. We thank you so much, God, for the fact that you indeed love us and that you will care for us. God, help us to desire to know you more than anything else in the world. Help us, God, to desire to want to live for you, to live our lives your way more than anything else as well so that we might know indeed how faithful you are and reliable you are. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.